Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to Your Money. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia-Pacific markets are rallying this morning on the back of a strong performance on Wall Street overnight. Joining me to break down all the market action is Ryan Huang. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Ryan. I don't know if you have any Irish blood in you. Well, I might get some Irish beer into my... (laughs) body later on but happy friday tgif michelle we've made it to the end of the week we have and i am thirsty for a guinness i have to say i feel like this week we should rename the show the banking report uh-huh. because really financial headlines continue to dominate investors attention there's so many big stories from the banking sector to get through this morning in this continuing saga of financial instability so let's start with the united states where 11 of the largest banks are joining together in an extraordinary effort to stave off financial contagion they're injecting tens of billions of dollars into a mid-sized bank that has come under attack in an effort to reassure the world that the U.S. financial system is stable. Tell us more, Ryan. Yeah, so as you pointed out, banking headlines really steering market sentiment. And here is some good news. A consortium of 11 U.S. private banks, including some of the big boys, BOA, Citi, J.P. Morgan Chase, are helping out with a deposit of $30 billion into First Republic, which, bear in mind, has been under the crosshairs, uh, at least when it comes to confidence, where perhaps the next bank might run into trouble. So this is a very big initiative to help reassure markets and provide a bit of a backstop for First Republic. And this is um, one of the smaller banks, and there have been some speculation that they might be the next one as... We see perhaps people, investors, retail customers start to flock to bigger customers or bigger banks, which could theoretically trigger a bank run. So that's something they want to put a backstop to. And I think to some extent it's helped because First Republic's shares were up nearly 10% overnight. Indeed, shares of First Republic Bank accounted some pretty wild swings on Wall Street overnight. At one point, they nearly tumbled in value before profit-taking set in. As you say, First Republic Bank closed up 10%, but profit-taking is setting in again, and the stock is down 17% in after-hours action. If we zoom out just a little, we have some more data about the extent of the Federal Reserve's support of U.S. banks this week. So just how much money has the Fed lent U.S. banks this week, Ryan? Michelle, it's a lot of money. $300 billion in emergency funds. $300 billion. Half of that, nearly half, 143, went to the holding companies set up by the FDIC for the two major banks that collapsed, SVB and Signature Bank. So that was to pay up for all the stuff they needed to do. Um, and this um, is worth noting, the other half went to other banks. They did not give the details, how many banks, which banks. So that's something we do not know. Um, but you can imagine some of the smaller banks may want to get some liquidity funding in case anything goes wrong, a bank run or anything like that. If we get a crisis of confidence, for example, if some of these current customers, um, their corporate boards, for example, say, hey, because of what happened Mm -hmm. to SVB, it's time to 
spread out our assets and not put all eggs in one basket and shift some of these eggs to bigger banks. So that could effectively mean a drawdown on some of their assets and then these smaller banks might run into trouble. And if you look at what's in focus these days, First Republic, for example, 68% of First Republic's accounts hold deposits of more than $250,000. So that's the threshold of what's insured and what's not insured. So if you're not insured, you're not going to get your money back. So with that type of ratio, it can spook investors. And also worth noting, Janet Yellen was talking yesterday to reassure wider markets that they will be there to do what they need to do. But at the same time, he, she kind of said, hey, if this happens again, we are not going to guarantee the safety of uninsured depositors as well. So that, I think, mm-hmm. is a big warning sign that you know, it's not going to be a bailout for future scenarios. So it's not an infinite lifeline. But, I mean, with this $300 billion in emergency funds that have been dispersed to banks in the past week, how much of that is taxpayer money? Um, a lot of it comes from a bank tax, I understand. Uh, to what extent will that bank tax be passed on to consumers in, in the form of fees down the line? We'll keep an eye on that. Let's turn to Europe now, where Credit Suisse has been thrown a lifeline. Switzerland's National Bank is lending it 50 billion US dollars. What's the latest here? Yeah, it's a lifeline and they've tapped on it more than $50 billion. And just to give you the recap, they were in a bit of a pickle because their largest investor, Saudi National Bank, refused to give that lifeline. So the Swiss National Bank had to step up and Credit Suisse decided, hey, we better just take some preemptive action and strengthen our liquidity ratios. So they tapped more than $50 billion to do so. And they said this additional liquidity will help support Credit core businesses and clients as it takes necessary steps to create a simpler and more focused bank built around client needs. So in addition to borrowing the money, Credit Suisse says it also repurchased billions of dollars of its own debt to manage its liabilities and interest payment expenses. So helping to balance the books and improve the numbers to some extent. Hopefully that can help to some extent mm-hmm. as well. Well, Credit Suisse shares uh, finished up nearly 20% yesterday. That 54 billion US dollar loan from Switzerland's national bank, certainly a lot of money, Ryan, but will it be enough to save the embattled Swiss financial giant? A lot of ultra-wealthy families have been beating a retreat from the bank. What do you think? It is a tough job, right? Because Mm-mm. if you're a rich customer... You've got options. Do you really need Credit Suisse? I think that's going to be the question that they will have to answer. And as you pointed out, many ultra-wealthy clients have already cut back exposure to Credit Suisse. Uh, in the Middle East, for example, we've got customers asking to convert cash deposits into other things like treasury bills and bonds. And then you've got this playing out in other countries as well. A lot of customers just calling up Credit Suisse relationship managers, asking them, hey, what's going on? And thinking about shifting away the assets. So this plays up, plays out around the world and you've got now Squares trying to reach out to reassure investors as well as clients mm-hmm. that they are the option to be. And then this is the tough part to answer. Why? So it's a very tough job to turn around this situation right now. It's a bit of a crisis of confidence and they need to turn things around. So that value needs to be clearer. 
Yeah, that annual report coming in late from a bank of this size uh, wasn't a great start to begin with when it came to... Um confidence. So as if Credit Suisse didn't have enough problems, U.S. shareholders are now suing it. They claim the bank defrauded them, U.S. shareholders, by concealing its financial problems. One more bit of news related to Credit Suisse. There is talk that the Swiss government is trying to encourage a merger between it and some other large U.S. banks, UBS to be Precise, But UBS officials are hesitant to make such a deal. They apparently would rather focus on UBS's wealth management business and stay away from Credit Suisse's problems. All right, I'm going to turn now to Europe, and uh, I'm going to turn from Europe, should I say, and the U.S. to Asia, where Chinese banking shares are emerging as potential safe havens. Didn't think I would uh-huh. say that this morning. Uh, tell us why all this interest in Chinese banks, Ryan. Yeah, as you imagine, everything is relative. We've got so much turmoil <laughs> playing out elsewhere. Look to the place where there is not so much drama. And in this case, it turns out to be China. So if you look at what's happening here, the CSI 300 Financial Index is up about 0.3% so far this week, which is beating the index of regional counterparts, which dropped more than 3%. And if you look at the US, they lost 12%. So they are outperforming in China when it comes to banks. And as you look at the reopening story and all the policies that are set to come forth to help revive the economy, banks there are set to get a stronger footing for future growth. Well, here in Singapore, DBS, UOB and OCBC have come under some selling pressure this past week, but nothing like what we've seen over in the US and Europe, I have to say. Why do you think Singapore banks are faring better, Ryan? Well, Singapore banks are faring better to some extent because of their exposure or lack thereof to what's playing out in the Silicon Valley side of things. So to some extent, you've got knee-jerk responses, people just shunning away from banks. But at the same time, the wider context is, hey, that is a problem that's far away and some people are saying it's isolated to that part of the tech space in the US. So for now, it does not look like it's an immediate issue at least. But the mm-hmm. other thing to keep in mind is um, the wider headwinds. And also just worth noting, the MES has come out this way that what's also playing out in Credit Suisse in terms of the Swiss Bank's Singapore branch, its main activities are in private and investment banking and it does not serve retail customers. So even in the Credit Suisse drama, it is also limited to what's playing out in Europe. So all in, the banking system, MSS, remains sound and resilient, well capitalized. There are regular stress tests as well. So it is in a stronger, healthier position. Well, unlike what we're seeing in the US as well, higher interest rates have been good for Singapore banks. The rate hikes have allowed the banks here to increase their interest rate margins and see the interest rate margins rise. US stocks rallied overnight on news of First Republic Bank's new lifeline over in the US. The Nasdaq jumped 2.5%. The Dow and the S&P 500 both finished up more than 1%. As if this week hasn't been volatile enough, Analysts are warning that U.S. stocks are likely to experience some wild swings this evening. And this time, the volatility has nothing to do with the bank. So what is going on? 
Yeah, so it is that time of the quarter again. So it happens every time four times a year. It is the quadruple witching day. And this is when you've got a couple of contracts expiring. And we are looking at things like the options for futures, stock options of futures on stock or stock futures and options contracts all expiring linked to individual stocks indexes exchange traded funds all expiring on the same day so traders will be thinking hey should I roll over this should I not some will some will not so there's going to be a bit of choppy trading and I imagine it's going to be a roller coaster ride if um, something happens Wow, going to be a busy day ahead. The other big piece of financial news which has been pushed out of the headlines by everything else is that Europe's central bank has raised interest rates by half a percentage point. So they basically ignored the banking crisis and they're keeping their focus on interest rates. So what do you make of this? Well, 50 basis points was what they did and this was what was widely penciled in. So the situation in Europe when it comes to inflation is a bit mm-hmm. more pressing. So this is something they had to do. At the same time, of course, bear in mind, it can also have the potential to derail the European economy, which is in a weaker footing compared to the US. So that's something they will have to keep in mind for future rate policy meetings. And right now, there's a big question mark what's happening next. And if you look at the language coming through from ECB, it is not very clear. I think that's intentional. And mm. if you look at what President Christian Lagarde is saying, it's not possible to determine at this point in time the future path of rates. Fair enough, because there is so many moving parts. And looking at what might happen based on endless expectations, they are looking mm-hmm. at 25 basis points going forward. So it does look like expectations are for the ECB to take its foot off the pedal to keep in mind the other part of the equation, which is the economy. All right, time for corporate news and a game of up or down. No soft landings here. Let's start with CK Hutchinson. CK Hutchinson, I am going with up because its (laughs) profits are up 9.5% for last year. Thanks to a big one of gain. Indeed. So I'll join you in that up, uh, looking at CK Hutchison's profits up 10% last year, despite, if you think about it, China's lockdowns and um, the downturn in European business as well for them. So better than expected and an up for the Hong Kong company. Okay, there was a lot of expectation about Ernie Bot. How's Baidu doing? Yeah, Baidu's Ernie Bot, which is being dubbed the Chinese chat GPT alternative. Did not impress. So it's going to be a down for me and it was down for Baidu shares which hit an eight-week low. I will never understand the preference for pre-recorded uh, and pretending that it's live. Uh, so Baidu debuted China's answer to chat GPT but it did so with recorded video instead of a live demo. Um, that didn't impress. It led to a sell-off in Hong Kong and so is a down in my books. And so is any form of recording of what should be live commentary. Uh, just my two cents there. Alright, let's look at the Chinese ride-hailing giant Didi. Alright, I am looking at Didi driving to Higher growth down the road, and this is with plans to expand. And of course, this comes after a bit of a crackdown not too long ago. 
Yeah, so demand for ride-hailing services in China on the rise. China's regulators seem to be backing off. Didi wants to expand its business. So in my book, that is an up for Didi. Okay, time for a Singaporean entry. Why not? Let's look at Food Empire. All right, Food Empire, which has quite a bit of exposure to growth in Russia and Ukraine, is an up for me. So this is with an endless RHB research that's coming through with a raised target price of $1.39 now. And this is from $0.95. Cents. And that is to reflect while its latest earnings, which was an upside surprise and also reflecting an estimated dividend yield of 5.8% for this year. All right, so food empire earnings really surprised analysts on the upside. In fact, that led RHB to raise its target price for the company to $1.39, I believe, per share. So that's an up for food empire. All right, before I let you go, Google is raising the price of YouTube TV, Ryan. It's going to charge $73 US a month for the streaming service. Quite a lot, but I'm wondering, uh, are you tempted? Have you checked out YouTube TV? No, I'm used to having YouTube for free. So I'm not sure if I'll actually eventually pay for these premium stuff on YouTube. What about um, you, Michelle? I, I, didn't even, I didn't even know YouTube TV existed. I pay for the service so that I can watch my videos without irritating ads popping up. But this is something else. Yeah, so they've got this thing in the US where they've got more rights to sporting events so you can watch NFL on some of the channels. Yeah. So it's a big thing. I think at least bigger in the US, sports rights. So that could be something that could be a factor if they have maybe the EPR rights or something that we want to watch. Maybe then I would consider paying for YouTube, but not, not now. Yet. Not now, huh? I mean, I have more than enough uh, streaming services. I have, uh, at last count, I think four. Um, but I'm looking at the number of channels that YouTube TV offers in its base plan. A hundred. And then you can add on networks. Mm. So this might be the one and only streaming subscription that one will ever need. CBS, Fox, yeah. NBC, BBC. Wow. But back to that uh, point, it's raising prices. It's just reflecting oh yes. how much pressure <laughs> it's under to pass on the costs to consumers. <laughs> Good point. I think I'll keep my 73 bucks a month. Thanks as always, Ryan. You have a great weekend ahead. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.